welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast, highlighting the stuff we've stepped in so you don't have to. My name is Son Edom, alongside somebody who's getting her tan on, yes. Tara Hokshiro. <laughs> hey guys, welcome back. Welcome to the beach. Yes, we're on a podcation. Yes. We're taking the show on the road to the beach. Instead of taking a vacation, we decide to bring you along. Yes. Uh, so welcome. Welcome to our vacation here at the beach. We're in Long Beach is where we're at, in case you're wondering. Long Beach, California, made popular by many things, including Fast and Furious. Really? Yes, they were in Long Beach. That was filmed here? Remember that um, West Coast Choppers? The yes. guy with the motorcycle, Jesse James? I do. Long Beach. <laughs> uh, so a lot of things, uh, obviously the Queen Mary. Yep. Long Beach. Spruce Goose used to be here. Yes. Spruce Goose is now gone. Uh, Pine Street and Hamburger Mary's. You've spent a lot of time here in Long Beach. Love Long Beach. Beach. <laughs> Love Long Beach. Uh, if it wasn't for its locale in relation to my life, yes, I'd probably move here. You, yeah. yeah. Like the beach. In fact, during quarantine, this is where I'd sneak away to. I'll give you a little hint, a little insight into my life. When we're on lockdown, lockdown, like official lockdown, I'd sneak away here to Long Beach, kind of like where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. And nobody would be here, and I'd just plop a chair, and I'd just sit at the beach, and nobody cared. Yep. Because nobody was around. Nobody was here. And um, and if someone did come by, nobody cared. So it was it's uh, it was fun. And so I'll probably be back, probably, probably back uh, many times by the time Well, it the is, year is beautiful out. Yeah. out here today. We have had a, uh, we're having, we're going to see the sunset, so this will be cool. Yes, <laughs> it's going to be quite the podcation. Hey, so you've been in... Um, we talked about it in the past how you have been an extra. Yes. In many movies, many TV, TV shows. shows. TV one shows. Movie, one movie, one movie, Clint Eastwood's movie. Um, Did you ever don the red bathing suit of Baywatch? <laughs> No, oh. I did not. And in fact, I have on my profile um, that I do not work in a bathing suit. So whenever there's a bathing suit call, right. I don't, yeah, I don't, really? I don't work in a bathing suit. As I recall, you mentioned that you might have been in one today with your wardrobe, but you changed your mind? No, I have my bathing suit oh, on. Oh, No. Yeah, it's a one piece underneath my, oh, okay. underneath so, my clothes, because this shirt's kind of see-through, oh. so I have my bathing suit Escape. on. Yeah. So, uh, we can, uh, so, so you're going to join me in the, uh, the massive waves behind us <laughs> after the show is over? No. No. Okay. It's cold. It's like a hundred. No, the water oh. is cold oh, in California. California is like <laughs> melting. Hey, so we are here in uh, Long Beach, California, and what we're going to talk about today is not the red bathing suit of Baywatch, but uh, what do you put your faith in? The world has been in such turmoil, and people are talking about what they think is going to save them. Okay? So what do you put your faith in? Do you put your faith in God? Do you put your faith in the government? If not the federal government, the local government, do you put your faith in something tangible, like a mask, for example? Not necessarily talk about masks, but you know, put your faith in something tangible. Do you put your faith in, uh, like yoga or something like that? Mother Nature, uh, your work. Do you put your faith in your work? What do you put your faith in? Is kind of the topic of conversation. We're going to see how far this goes because I think it could be something that uh, Tara mentioned a couple of podcasts ago. Is there a right answer or is it just conversation? You know, what do we get to when you put your faith in something? And what happens when your faith or whatever that thing is that you put your faith in doesn't give you what you want, the answers you're looking for? And since you uh, have mentioned uh, on previous podcasts more of your faith-based background, Mm -hmm. I'll let you start. Well, we all have faith in something. There's a lot of people that think that they don't have faith in anything because we have a tendency to think that it's specifically about religion or specifically about God. But like you, you mentioned several things, you know, other things that we can have faith in. Um, this chair, for example, if I sit in the chair, I have faith that it's not going to collapse. I have, you know, faith that when I get in my car, it's going to start. So we, I mean, we have, we, everybody has faith in, in, you know, something as we move about our day, um, you know, when it gets to the bigger things, like, you know, what do we put our faith in for our life course, you know, for our overall well-being, um, then that becomes the question of, you know, is it the, you know, the government or ourselves, we could, you know, we could solely depend on ourselves. 
um, faith in our marriage, faith in our in our job, you know, faith in our money. We have a, you know, we think that our as long as we have a good, you know, nest egg that we're going to be fine. Um, my faith is in is in. So there's always an object for your faith. Faith in and of itself isn't the thing. It's the object of your faith that is the power um, of your faith. And so my faith is in God. Um, which is, it's, which is something that has to be developed because it's not just, because we think of God like, okay, well, that's great. You know, how do you have a faith in God? Um, but it's based on number one, you know, the Bible, you know, the words that are in the Bible, um, personal experience, history, things that we've gone through in our lives, um, trust, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, trust things. So, um, and when you talk about faith, like faith in God, for example, you've talked in the past about your life and things you've gone through and, uh, issues that affect you Mm -hmm. and personality traits that come, that you come across in other people that trigger you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so when you're dealing with these issues, do you go about it from your faith based perspective or do you go about it through a practical application perspective? Or is it a combination? It's a combination of both. So it's such a big question. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitating because I'm trying to figure out how to tell the story without... Telling the story. <laughs> we like to... Uh, for those of you that may or may not have listened to shows in the past, we do like to be transparent as much as we can. Yes. But we also do like to protect those that we talk about because yes. we do talk about our lives and we do talk about the people that are involved in our lives. And sometimes to protect the not-so-innocent, we don't want to spill the beans as much as we would like to for courtesy's sake on their part. Right. And so that's kind of the dilemma she's sitting at right now is how much to share without fully diverging everything and giving the, you know, because other people that, uh, that do listen in the family, you know, they'll pick up on cues. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, holy hell breaks out in this family war. And then right. that's a whole nother thing. I've had thing. a couple of people, and I know you have yeah. too, a couple of people that I know you were talking about right. me. Oh, I've, I've had people do that, and I'm like, wait a minute, how did you even get that? Yeah, yeah. How did you even get me even thinking that I was talking about you? Probably because there could be, you know, people that listen that are on the edge like are they talking about me right right and they they create something that isn't there right there's a quote by Anne Lamont you know Anne Lamont is a is a writer um she's a fabulous writer and there's she has this quote that says um if people something to the effect that if people don't want me to talk about them then they should have treated me better yeah (laughs) or don't because she's a writer right so if if people don't want me to put them in my story or whatever they should have treated me better and we have a podcast. So, you guys exactly. are in trouble. <laughs> exactly. So let me, okay, so let me just kind of tell my story kind of loosely, my faith-based story to kind of give it some context and then maybe you can, um, some asking questions. So we all have faith in something. There's a reason why we put our faith in certain things, whether it's money or a job or ourselves or, or you know, whatever. And so um, my my faith is in God. And so I was born in a Christian um, family. And we went to church, you know, like five times a week, um, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We went to, I was involved in um, Bible League, which is like a competition, like a family feud style um, with biblical questions. Um, I was in youth group and choir and went to church camp every summer from fourth grade all the way up to my senior year in high school. Um, so we were very involved in the church and from the outside, it looked as if, um, everything was fine. Everyone, you know, had respect for our family and, and, um, thought we were a close knit family and, and whatever. And so, and for all intents and purposes, you know, we were, and, um, there was, you know, dinner on the table every night and, you know, my mom cooked, um, a meal every night. So seven nights a week, we had dinner together. We went on family vacations. There was no yelling in the house. There was no, you know, arguing. Um, my sister and I were in, um, different activities. I was in the marching band. I was the drum major. I was in all of the plays, the high school, um, plays and a musical all through high school, And so, and my sister was, um, in different activities, you know, sports and cheerleading. And so they were at every function. So they were attentive. They came to all the games. Um, so for all intents and purposes, it was a nice 
you know, upbringing. There was a verse that, um, that I learned back in, I don't know, I want to say like fourth grade, excuse me. There was a verse that I learned back in the fourth grade and it was the very first Bible verse that I ever memorized. And it's Deuteronomy 31, six. And it says, um, be of good courage, fear not for the Lord, thy God, he is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And so you would think it's like, okay, that's a nice verse, right? But that was the very first. And I remember that that was the very first Bible verse that I memorized because there was a, there was a competition and I'm, you know, competitive. There was a prize, right? If you memorize the verse, you get a prize. So of course me being the, you know, the A student, you know, kind of personality, um, you know, I was going to memorize it or whatever. So I did and didn't really think a whole lot about that verse until years and years later. So during my, um, middle school ish, getting into high school years, there were, um, affairs on, from both, you know, sides, um, with my parents and I was privy to all of them. And so it started me on a path that took me down in a, in a wrong direction. So on this one hand, we had this, you know, really nice, um, had, we weren't like wealthy, but we had everything that we needed, very well taken care of, very attentive, whatever. But then there was these things going on underneath the surface where we just didn't handle things in our family, um, together. So there was like this underlying depression, this underlying tension, and the four of us just kind of went different directions to handle, like to get comfort, right? We didn't come to each other. We kind of went, you know, in four different directions. And so I interpreted a lot of the stuff that was going on, even though there were, you know, affairs, like we were going to church, like it was like this weird mix, right? So um, I interpreted that as like someone else out there is better than what we have going on right here. That was the way that my brain rationalized what was going on. So whatever's here is not good enough, which is why, you know, we've talked, we just talked in the last episode about, and several episodes about, you know, why I'm so, you know, have dealt with insecurity and shame and lack of self-worth. And a lot of it comes from this point is where we didn't turn to each other when we had problems or go to a counselor or whatever. We got comfort from outside sources. And so that set me on a path like, okay, whatever's out there is better than what we've got going on right here. And it turned me into um, a person who was constantly searching for validation, constantly wanting a boyfriend, constantly, why isn't anyone picking me? Why isn't, why doesn't anyone want me to be their girlfriend? Um, and I would obsess about this, like, you know, in high school and I had a lot of dates, but never like a boyfriend get into college. Then I'm like partying. I'm doing all kinds of, um, things, you know, that I shouldn't be doing a lot of drinking, a lot of just, just really lost. Right. And so, um, then I, you know, started dating a guy. We got engaged. I broke off the engagement, moved out here to California. My parents had moved out here by this time. They got divorced and, That's when, so like during the last episode, that's when I was talking about, you know, when my kids were young, um, you know, I was just really insecure thing. And I was, and that's why, that's where that obsession that we talked about for the outer exterior, because I was so wounded on the inside and so hurt and so lost on the inside and that I just became like, just perfect the outside and just really, you know, take care of, you know, just kind of put up a wall, right? Because I was just so insecure. And so years later, then I kind of came back around to my faith and I kind of came back around to my foundation and I had been questioning God, you know, during this time when it really got bad, I was saying, okay, Lord, why, you know, there's like however many billion people on the planet, like not one person is going to think I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. Like not one person is going to treat me, you know, that I'm the greatest, you know, thing ever. And I was, and I was just in such despair. And so that's when I started like, um, really kind of like digging into my, into the Bible and, you know, who is God and, and who am I in God's story and what the heck is going on? And if, if God is so good, why are all these things happening? And why did my family split apart? Why am I having such a hard time with it? Like, 
I just had all these questions. And so I started digging into that. And then I came back around to that verse. One day I was reading my Bible or I was doing a devotional or something. And I came back around to that verse, be of good courage, fear not for the Lord, thy God, he will never leave you nor forsake you. And so he was there the whole time, but I went off the rails, completely went off the rails and didn't, you know, think about him or, or, you know, whatever for many, many years when I was just being a wild child. So, um, then when I kind of came back around to it, then I started listening to everything that I could get my hands on to kind of untangle my hard wires. Like, am I lovable? Am I worthy? Am I, and we have to answer that question, you know, before we can really move on. And it was like, the more, you know, that I read the Bible, the promises in the Bible, the more that I prayed, the more prayers that were answered, the more I trusted God, the more I could see his help in things, the more I could see things, um, moving in a direction, in a different direction. And, and, you know, there were miracles, there were answered prayers, there were, there's been all kinds of things, you know, we have, um, I've mentioned several times that we have mental illness in our family. You know, my, my son just really, really struggles. Um, so I've been like crying out to God, you know, in that situation, you know, for healing and for, um, um, healing of my own heart, you know, because the way that my husband and I got together was not completely, um, great. And so I, it kind of fed into my lack of self-esteem and my, you know, lack of self-worth. And the more that I study academically, the more that I, um, pray to him, you know, and we have this relationship, the stronger my faith becomes and the more I see things in a different way in the earth. And so now I look at everything like, um, you know, thank you, God. And it's not like, and we've talked before, like character traits are the opposite. So, you know, I've said before, like gratitude isn't just a blue sky day. Like we're at this beautiful beach. I'm grateful that I was on the wake up list. I'm grateful for the lessons. I'm grateful for the struggles. I'm grateful to, to be able to learn and grow and struggle through the hard stuff to be better and wiser. So when people have faith in something and you were talking about going through all these struggles and things, but when people have faith in something, sometimes their faith, as they say, can get shattered. And before I finish, what was the prize for memorizing the Bible verse? <laughs> like a Snickers bar or something? Yeah. It was like a piece of candy. Yeah, okay. Yep. Kind of like the old one. Actually, and I- no, no, no. I take that back. There was a canteen. We were at a camp a family camp and there was a canteen which is like a little mini store snack bar thing and they give you a token and you can go buy something in the in the canteen with that token so people say (laughs) so you got something from the canteen yes so people say (laughs) now i'd be the cantina that's right (laughs) Um, so people say that you know you, you you have your faith shaken because um you know something happens and your faith is shaken and sometimes they say their faith is shaken to the core and people might change their faith because of something that happened okay whatever it might be because i've heard people talk about yeah i changed my faith i used to believe in something now i don't so for example people might be uh into buddha uh buddhism let's say or something like that okay and then it doesn't go their way so they decide okay you know what i'm going to be an atheist and then they're like, well, that doesn't really work out. So now I'm going to get into something like maybe yoga or save the planet. And they start shopping around from place to place, maybe because they don't find fulfillment in their faith that they're having or because being tested and they don't yep. have that foundation. Yep. So when you're going through these struggles and you're going through all this because you grew up with this, um, you never decided to change your faith or go try something else or seek out something else? No, but I did question it. So I have another story. You okay. ready for another story? Yep. This is a good one. So a few couple of years ago, um, so I've never had the desire to like seek something else out, but I do question things. I do question my own um, faith and that's okay. God can handle it. Um, so a couple of years ago, or actually, was it two years? I'm losing track of time because we've been locked down for so long. I don't even know what day it is anymore. Um Beach day. It is beach day. Tuesday. It's always Tuesday, right? (laughs) Thursday. Okay. Okay, So we'll just say a couple of years. I think it was a year and a half ago. It doesn't matter. Um, I went to this retreat and the retreat was through Saddleback Church. It was Kay Warren's retreat. Kay Warren is Rick Warren's wife. Rick Warren wrote the Purpose Driven Life book. And um, 
So she had this retreat. So Rick and Kay Warren's son took his life. He committed suicide, right? He struggled with mental illness and took his life. And so um, the people were saying, like, you know, why isn't that they, why didn't they lose their faith? You know, their faith wasn't shattered, you know, on and on. So they have a wonderful, wonderful testimony. So my son also struggles with mental illness and... I went to this retreat that Kay put on. It was a like a two and a half day retreat, and um, it was only for moms with kids with mental illness. So it's really hard parenting because um, when you have a quote unquote normal child, which is not the right word, but I can't remember the the politically correct word. But anyway, when you have a quote unquote normal child, there's like a set of ways to, to raise that child. Right. And it's like tough love and there's boundaries and there's like, you're over here on this map. Right. And there's all kinds of literature. There's all kinds of things um, to tell you how to parent a child and how to, how to raise a child. When you have a child with mental illness, all those rules are out the window because we live in constant fear of what's going to happen. And it is a daily fear. It is sometimes a minute by minute fear. Um, it has choked me. It has, um, I've just like sobbed in anguish. It has been a really, for many, many years, it has been a rough road for all of us. And there's not a lot of literature. There's not a lot of things to tell you because if something, you can't just set a boundary with a child that's suffering from depression or anxiety or, um, you know, some of these other like, you know, bipolar or schizophrenia, like you can't just set a normal boundary with this kid because if they're not in a good place and if they get upset, the mother automatically or the father is like, oh, shoot, are they going to take their life? We live in constant fear of that. And it's not a fun topic. It's Suicide is a terrible, terrible thing. But um, we have to be able, we have to normalize the conversation in order to um, not be so afraid of it so that we can have a conversation about it. You know, are you okay? How are you feeling right now? You know, whatever. And there have been seasons where we have gone through that and it's been horrible. So <clears throat> through this, um, I've been, of course, praying for healing. And the Bible says, you know, there's a specific verse that, that I struggle with in the Bible. It's John 15, the whole chapter, um, John 15. But the first one through, I don't know, 20 verses. Into the effect, it says, you know, if I remain in you and you remain in me, you can ask me whatever you want and I will give it to you because um, it will bring me glory, Right. So I'm like, okay, I'm asking you for healing, and it's not coming. The healing is just not coming. So I believe in you. I pray, like my son, like it's not going away. The depression's not going away. It's not getting any better. And, and so I was doubting. So then we start having like, okay, what well, was God listening to me? Is he, you know, whatever? So we went to. So I went to this retreat, and at the one point during the retreat, there was a woman that I spoke to, like a counselor type um, person, and um, I said to her that this um, concept of um, laying down my Isaac. So if you're not familiar with the Bible, if you don't know what that means, um, I think it was, I get confused, Abraham, I think, <laughs> had to lay his son Isaac down. And then there's a passage in there where God said, you know, take him up and sacrifice, you know, whatever. So there's a lot of child sacrifices going on in that day. God was not asking him to sacrifice his child, but he was asking him, he was testing his faith, you know, do you trust me? So he took him up there, he, you know, puts him on the altar, whatever, he gets out the dagger, he's holding it, and then God says, you know, stop, look up, there's a, there's a, um, a ram, a ram in the bush, yeah, for you to sacrifice. So that's a really hard story to understand. Um, we don't have time to get into all the theology of that, but anyway, it's about trust. It's about giving to God, or do you really trust God, and do you really have faith in him that he's going to take care of you? And I told this woman, I said, you know, this whole concept of giving my son to God, I don't, like, I just, it, it makes me, like, literally want to vomit. Like, I just want to, I can't. I, and she said, to, and she was very patient, and she says to me, okay, what do you see, like, when you put, if you if you picture, and, and this is all metaphorical, you know, so she says, if you picture yourself laying your son on the altar, like, to sacrifice, like, to give him to God, like, what do you see? And I said, I see a white um, stone. I see a white room. 
I just see myself laying him there and that's it. I don't see anything else. And she says, well, where's God or where's Jesus? And I said, I don't see him. And she said, um, so this is an hour long conversation. I'm making it shorter. And so she said, well, what if you pictured yourself putting your son into Jesus's arms? Because now, mind you, the whole reason why I want to do this or why we need to do this is because I was controlling everything. I was making sure that my son wasn't, you know, hurting himself. He wasn't taking his life. He was like, okay, you don't feel good. Let's go to the doctor. I was the one, like, driving the train, and it was making me sick. I had to let go, and I wasn't ready to let go. So I was like, okay, Lord, I need you to, you know, take over. And I couldn't do that because I, you know, I just couldn't do it. Because I, I thought, okay, if I let go, what's going to happen? He might die, right? So I have to keep my son alive. So she said, what if you picture yourself um, putting your son right into Jesus' arms? And I immediately started crying. And I said, I can't do it. And she says, why? And I said, because I don't trust him. I don't, I don't know what he's going to do with them. And then I said, Rick and Kay Warren prayed the exact same prayer. And they trusted him too. And their son died anyway. So if I give my son over to Jesus, if I relinquish control, if I take faith off of me and put it into God, I don't know what's going to happen to him and he might die anyway. And I just sat there and I just cried and cried and cried. Because I didn't want to let go. And so she said, okay, so we talked through it or whatever. And I realized that my issue was control. Like I was in complete charge of keeping him safe. And that's not my job as a mom. And that is the hardest thing for people, mothers um, and dads with kids with mental illness. It is the hardest thing to let go because we don't know what's going to happen. And so I have to, we have to be right there. We have to... Um, we have to be on 24-7. And so I realized that I had to relinquish control and I had to trust God, and I didn't. But the thing is, is that as soon as I said, I don't, I, I guess I don't, I mean, I've been saying with my words that I trust him, but I guess I really don't. I really don't trust him after all. And as soon as I said that, I just felt this presence, like, this invisible presence, like, come close to me and immediately, like, encase me in, in, in its arms. And I just felt, like, warm and protected. And I just felt like this, like, presence, like this being was just around me and comforting me. And I felt so peaceful. Even though I said out loud, I guess I don't trust Jesus, um, immediately as soon as I said that, I felt a sense of peace and a sense of closeness and a sense of like, it's, it's, it's okay. And we think that we can't say those things, but because I was honest and because I wasn't saying, I don't believe there is a God, I was just questioning the relationship. And as soon as I questioned the relationship, um, he, he came closer and so my faith is, so this lady, the end of the story is that she said, our, our hope and our faith is not in the healing. Our hope and our faith is in the one who heals. And there, the healing may not be on this side. It may be on the other side in, in heaven, you know, in eternity. It may not come on this side. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a God. It doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that he doesn't love your son. It just means that our faith and our hope is in God and not in the healing itself. And so that's when people will say, well, I lost my faith because I wanted healing. I asked for healing. I didn't get it. Therefore, I don't believe in God. And she said, that's not where your faith and your hope is. And so since then, I have had so much peace. And I, for the rest of the weekend, I just cried and cried and cried. And it just purged out all this like anxiety and, and um, poison that I was carrying around inside of me, the fear and the control. I just cried it all out. And since then, I have been able to relinquish control. You know, my son and I have a great relationship. I'm there for him 24 seven, just like I was before, but now I'm not so codependent. Now I'm not so controlling. Now I'm not driving the train. I'm allowing him to learn how to take care and be in charge of his own life. And I am so much more at peace and he is so much more at peace. And, um, the healing still hasn't come, but there are healing points in the journey that I can see 
like we're getting better medicine, we're getting better doctors, we're getting better treatments, we're getting like it's not gone and it might probably will never be gone here on earth. But um, we ha- I have a different perspective now and I have a piece about it now and I'm not and I, my faith is stronger not because he's not it has nothing to do with whether he's healed but I know that God is there see I think a lot of people can relate to that because it is a control issue it is a trust issue with faith a lot of times we're putting our trust in something that is unseen you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier sitting in a chair we have faith in something that the chair is going to stay mm-hmm. together whatever that faith is the, the nails the wood whatever uh but we're putting our faith in something usually unseen. You know, you start the car. I don't know if you know how engines work. I don't. I'm not a mechanic. But I just I turn the key and it starts. So we're putting our faith in something unknown a lot of times. And especially when it comes to religion and God, we're putting something that we don't see, we don't know. And so it's a lot harder for us to let go because we're giving up to something that we don't know what's there. It's kind of like, you know, in football, the, the Hail Mary pass. Yeah. Once you let go of the football... You know, in quote unquote, now it's up to God or it's up to luck or up right. to fate, whatever, because you're just putting the ball in the air. And as a parent, you know, in that situation, it's probably one of those things where you don't want to loft the ball. You want to keep it because right. you have that control, that protection over it. And that's the hardest thing. And so, you know, that's what I kind of find that's interesting is people will put their faith in something. And yet they'll go through times of struggle. Uh, there was a guy, uh, Phil Michael, I've talked about him a little bit in the past. He was a, an adventurer. He wanted to, his goal in life was to summit the seven summits, which is the highest mountain on each continent. And one of his main goals was obviously to do Mount Everest. But what he wanted to do was he wanted to not just go up and then come back down. He wanted to go up and over. And so the up and over part was what was keeping him from going because when you go over, you're now on the China side of the mountain, and so mm-hmm. you have to get mm-hmm. government approval from China. And he would spend a lot of time over there, like in Kathmandu, Nepal, and he would talk to uh, uh, you know, a lot of people over there, and so he would travel the world. He was in Africa, and so we'd talk a lot about faith, and we'd talk a lot about the different faiths and religions that he came across, and Buddha was one of them. In fact, he gave me some, uh, some Buddha flags uh, that he was going to take to the top of Mount Everest, and I still have them hanging in my room. But, um, but he would talk about the, the faith in that. And I thought it was interesting because in the end, um, I didn't get a chance to talk with him in the end because he was over in Nepal. And as the story goes, he was supposed to come home, but he extended his stay because he wanted to help some people that were sick or someone was sick. And during that extended stay, he got bit by a beetle or poisonous beetle or something and got sick. Eventually well enough to come back home, but then got sick again because of that and ended up passing away, dying from it. And, um, and so we would have a lot of conversations about faith and talking to him about it. And it was interesting because he would kind of put all these different aspects and elements from the different religions and the different faiths, and even some from Africa, even some from uh, like Native American, Aztec, or Inca, because he'd be down in Mexico. And he'd try to put these all together. And the thing that was interesting was he would then just pick from each one that fit him, okay? Because not one would fit. So like in your case, for example, if you had faith in God, but God, like for Kay Warren, the faith was, okay, let's have answer to prayer, but then that didn't work out. So, you know, their son took his life. That wasn't the outcome they wanted. So he would reject that and then pick some other maybe element of Christianity that be that would be positive, you know, because that's what it was, positive energy, right? And so that's the hardest thing that people do is realize that whatever your faith is, whatever your Hail Mary is going to be, sometimes that Hail Mary gets picked off. Sometimes it falls to the ground. It doesn't come true. But yet you're still going to throw the ball every time because you have faith that someone on your team is going to catch it. And so when it comes to things, especially in the real world, it's harder for people to want to let go knowing that, once you let go, anything could happen, but you still have to have that faith that whatever the outcome is, and in your case, faith in God, whatever the outcome is, then that is what you're resigned to accepting, and people have a hard time accepting that, like, because for you, you know, you don't know the outcome of your, what your son is going to be. It's a day-to-day, hour-to-hour, minute-to-minute thing, okay? You're more comfortable with it, but it's still hour-to-hour, and I don't know, but it just seems like for some people, that's a hard thing for them to do, is to realize that, okay, there can't be an answer 
or I can't believe in something where the answer could be negative and still keep my faith in that negativity, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think that that is where um, there's a mis- misunderstanding is that um, there it's not a negativity. We think it's a negativity because we want what we want, and if we don't get what we want, then, then it's negative. Um, but the faith is that um, I trust in a God that can see tomorrow, right? So the Bible says that he, he's past, present, and future all at the same time. He knows the future. Um, every all of my says in Psalms, all of my days were written down in his you know book before I was even born, and so he knows um, every step. He knows that he knew that I was going to be sitting here right now with you. He knows what's going to happen next week. So I put my faith in a God that can see what I can't, and I am um, am. I trust him to the point because of um, my past relationship with him, because of experiences that I've had, because of what I read in the Bible. I trust him to make decisions for me when I don't know, you know, what to do. And so I give myself, no, I'm not a, I'm not a um, robot. I'm not a, um, God's not pulling the strings. I have free will. I get to choose whatever I want, but he knows the choices that I'm going to make. Right. And so when it comes to things like, not getting what I want, I'm okay knowing that God knows what is best. I'm okay knowing that there's nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the Bible does it say that everything is, is like everything, everybody's going to be healed, cancer's going to go away, poverty's going to go away, everything is going to be fixed the side of heaven. It just doesn't say that. It says that suffering is going to continue. We're all going to suffer. So it's not that we have our faith in whether like if we believe in God then all of a sudden those of us who believe in Jesus are just going to like never have a sickness never have an illness never have a car accident no one's ever going to die I mean that's silly so we because we live on planet earth and and planet earth is broken there's cancer there's car accidents there's all kinds of things right and so believing in Jesus doesn't mean that we're going to live on this parallel line against everyone who's not believing and we're going to have this perfect blessed life and everyone else is not. We are still here and we are still eating the same food, sitting on the same beach. We're all going to, you know, we can we can all be exposed to COVID. Like that's not the promise of the Bible. The promise of the Bible is not you're not going to suffer. So my faith isn't in the suffering being relieved. My faith is, in, and it's not a negative thing because, um, because there are many positives. Like there are many positives in the doctors. There are many positives in the medications. There are many positives in the people that I meet. There are many positives in, um, you know, maybe someone that's that's listening to us right now. Maybe they're dealing with the same thing, and they've never heard anyone publicly, you know, talk like this before. And so I'm able to help somebody that's a positive and so we can say okay I'm mad because this I'm not getting what I want the healing isn't coming so therefore I'm not going to believe in this because I want what I want or I can say um, I humbly submit to a God that knows everything and I know that that no matter what we're going to be well taken care of are we going to be healed from everything no but am I okay knowing that he's in control and I'm allowing him to make the decisions for me? Yes, because he knows what's best and that and I don't always get my way. And I'm glad that I don't always get my way. See, it sounds like uh, two things. First off, it sounds like there is a correlation between life in the world that we know it here compared to eternity. Mm-hmm. We like to think of life in the terms of birth to death, and then whatever happens is where everybody's belief system changes. Right. Okay? Wherein, for you, for example, it doesn't end on death. No. It c- continues, on, continues on into eternity. It's transitioning to the next stage. And then that's where, yes. um, think, like, for example, maybe your son gets healed. healed. Because like this, okay, and this is another thing. So we've talked about in the past, uh, in high school, just a couple of days after my uh, 18th birthday, uh, my best friend dies in a car crash. One of my best friends dies in a car crash. Coming home late uh, after a, a night out with some friends, maybe even a high school basketball game. And um, it was rainy. He's on the freeway. 
and there's a bend in the freeway, and for whatever reason, um, where that bend in the freeway turns, there's a kind of a what's like a shoulder, mm-hmm. but it's it's in the mountains. It's on the 210 freeway between Los Angeles through Tahunga and Sunland. But um, but there's a truck there, and so the truck is parked, a big rig, where he shouldn't be. But anyways, and he ends up running into the back of the parked truck, and you know his his life is over. And he's 17. Uh, was supposed to go to USC. Was going to be an architect, um, and great things were expected. Uh, an athlete, you know, his senior year baseball was coming up, and I know uh, a lot of parents have suffered loss uh, here, you know, with kids. And um, but the thing is, and I'm sure every question, the question is always, why me? Mm-hmm. This is unfair. Why did it have to happen? And there was uh, two things about it. One, so go to the funeral. And I don't know if you're familiar, but it was at Hollywood Presbyterian Church, and Lloyd Ogilvy was the pastor. I think he left to become the uh, chaplain of Congress or something like that. So, you know, he was he was pretty prominent um, theologian. But he said that two things. He said, one, the, main, the thing that stuck with me all these years is that, okay, we, we live in a world bound by natural laws. Okay, mm-hmm. So whether those whether you believe those natural laws were set up by God or something else, the cosmos, we are bound by natural laws. Mm-hmm. Natural laws means that if you throw something in the air, gravity is going to bring it to the ground. Mm-hmm. Even if you put a helium balloon up, at some point that thing's going to come down. If you um, exceed speed and crash into something, then there's going to be potential you know, harm because you're going beyond those natural laws. Right. And so we do live in a world with natural laws. And so sometimes, well, yeah, sometimes when we go beyond those, not all the time because there are miracles, but sometimes we go beyond those natural laws, you know, things are going to happen. And so we have to remember that. We have to remember that we are in a state of natural laws and Mm -hmm. we are bound by those. Mm -hmm. And so for him, he was saying that then we have to accept that. And then we have to also realize that in the afterlife, eternity, as you say, you know, that is where we put our faith. And so for Right. My friend Chris, who was much like you, you know, even though it sucked for his family and for his friends and for everybody that knew him here on earth, the hope was in eternity where you right. would see him again. You know, hey, I'm going to see you again. I'll see you on the other side, right? Right. And so that's one of the things that I think that I'm hearing from you is that there is still, regardless of what happens here, there's still that eternity on the other side of death that is going to be something. Right. But then there's people that don't believe in that. You know, you ask people and they say, okay, what's your faith? And they put their faith in something. And then they realize that, okay, so when you ask them what happens when you die, Mm -hmm. nothing. Mm -hmm. You just die. Mm -hmm. And there's no anything. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of the old adage, he who has the most at the end when he dies wins. It's like, well, what do you win if there's nothing afterwards, right? (laughs) The people left behind win because they get all your stuff. (laughs) But that's the thing. And I think that's one of the things that that I, I, when I talk with people about faith, and I know a lot of people talk about God, and they say, God is, I have faith in God, I have faith in God. But it's like, what does that actually mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, is it a faith in a being that just is there when we need him? Mm-hmm. Is it a faith that we, in, a, in a being that we cry out in times of crisis, but we forget in good times? Is it a faith in something? Like, you know, we're going to save the planet because the planet is going to be something that is going to somehow give back to us, um, you know? And so it's always interesting because it seems to be at least to me, that the, def- the definition between a faith in the things of this world mm-hmm. versus a supernatural faith, a faith in a religion, a faith in God, the defining line is what happens after we die. Yeah, for sure. And so the Bible is very clear um, that everything that we do here on earth is going to have meaning and impact in eternity. And so the whole point here is to develop our character. We're not here to be comfortable. We're not here to um, just, you know, lay around on the beach all day and, you know, do nothing. We're here to develop our character. We're here to love God, love people, and, um, and, and to, you know, strengthen, you know, our resolve. That's the whole point of us of going through all of this, you know, this relationship, you know, with God. And so in that verse that I was talking about, in um, John 15, when it says, you know, if I remain in you and you remain in me, um, you will ask whatever you want and I will give it to you. The next part of that is because it brings me glory when you produce much fruit. And so I had to stop on that because um, I'm obsessed with the fruit of the spirit. And I don't know 
why, but <laughs> I've always been. So the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so when it says, um, I will give it to you, ask me whatever you want and I will give it to you because it brings me glory when you produce much fruit. It brings me glory when you, it brings God glory when, when I produce love in my life and when I produce joy and when I produce peace. So it's not, and I've talked about this endlessly, that a character trait is only valid in an opposite situation. And if we take the situation of mental illness, and if I am able to produce fruit, if I am able to produce love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control in the middle of mental illness, and sometimes it's an absolute shit show. Let's just be honest. It's awful. Um, if I am able to produce fruit in the middle of that situation, that is what is ultimately bringing good to the people around us and bringing glory to, to God and, to, and peace into our lives. It's not that things are removed so that we can live a good life. It's how are we going to have love and joy and peace in all of this stuff, like especially now in 2020, it's not just mental illness. I mean, mental illness is skyrocketing right now. The issues around mental illness because we've been in lockdown and because the economy is tanking, there's people taking their lives. There's people that are not getting the resources that they need because things are closed and teachers are not available and counselors are not available. And there's all these horrible things that are spiraling, right? Because of the, so if we can, so the goal isn't to get out of the rain. The goal is to learn how to dance in the rain. And that's what God is about. God is developing our character here on earth through Jesus so that we can be together in eternity and everything will be perfect in eternity for those that love Jesus. But on here on earth, it's learning how to um, love in the middle of chaos, in the middle of a storm. It's how to have joy in the middle of mental illness, how to have peace in the middle of financial um, breakdown. And that's the goal. That is the goal because then we will be rewarded did when you, we're in heaven. Did you ever get to the point, because you mentioned how things are today and a lot of things that are going on. And, you know, a few, I guess it's been a number of episodes, we were at Hillside Wellness Center and we were talking to Dr. Irene about some things. And, you know, we haven't gotten any better uh, as far as our circumstances since then, maybe we've opened up a little bit and people are getting out a little bit more. But a lot of people still feel and are getting deeper and deeper into a despair that they feel they can't get out of. I like watching a um, different movies. And this one movie, uh, The Replacements, is a football movie with Canoe Weaves, Keanu. <laughs> We like Comp Canoe, uh, Keanu Reeves, and he's a quarterback for a football player. And they're sitting in the locker room, and the coach puts up on the whiteboard the word fear. Mm-hmm. Okay, what are you afraid of? Mm-hmm. And, of course, it's kind of a comedic football film. And so, of course, they say, you know, bees, I'm afraid of bees, or spiders, I'm afraid of spiders. Yeah, spiders on the field, you know. And so they go off on that little tangent. And then uh, uh, Keanu's character, he's like, you know what, uh, quicksand. And they're like, what? Quicksand? What do you mean quicksand? And so he explains that quicksand, you know, when you get into something and it's not going well, you start to sink. And as you sink, you try to get out of it by maybe doing all these different things that's not working. And you sink more and you sink more and you sink more. And the quicker and the more you fight it, the quicker you sink because you get out of yourself and you realize you're not doing the right thing to get you out of it. Something like that. Uh, if you really want to know, just YouTube the clip and it'll come up. Um, but that's the type of thing. You know, we get to the point where we're in such despair and a lot of people. I mean, we just went through uh, a graduation season a couple months ago that extended into, I know some people that did some graduation things deep into July. And there were some cl- uh, classmates that students hadn't seen in months mm-hmm. because they would not leave their house. They would not leave because they had a fear of something happening to them. Mm-hmm. And even a mask or social distancing, they, they did not have faith in that. So their faith was being in a room, okay, being in their house, not coming out. And they get into such despair that they can't get out of that. 
And then there was this one gal who I was uh, talking to, and she got out and went to a graduation thing, and she got, I mean, she was so relieved that there was something more out there than just her bedroom and just the room that she was in and just her house, and she was able to be a part of something that was different, and it kind of gave her a renewed hope that there's something better coming. And so the whole point of that is that, you know, what would you say to people? Because I would imagine that there's been times where you've thought, despite your faith, that not in spite of, but despite of, that there was times of despair that you just think this probably couldn't be get any worse or I can't get out of this or this isn't going to end. But then it has. How do you get out of that despair knowing that you're putting your faith in something that you can't see? And some people might say it's just you're just hoping for the best. Um, well, we talked a couple episodes ago about the fact that I was suffering from depression and that I was struggling, you know, every, just like everywhere you turn, things are being taken away, you know, vacations being taken away, the football season, the baseball season, you know, they're limping along now, but it just seems like, you know, jobs are being taken away, everything's closing down and it's hard to, to maintain a good composure in that, but that is exactly the opposite kind of thing that we've been talking about is like that a real character trait is only valid in an opposite situation. And so if we're only peaceful and joyful, um, when, you know, when we're at the beach, that doesn't count. (laughs) It's when things are not going well. Right. And we talked about that, that I have been suffering from, um, depression through this time. So my faith wasn't, um, shattered during that time because my faith wasn't in my situation or wasn't in my circumstances. And I have to, sometimes we get sucked into it. Like my faith is not in the government. I do not believe that the government is going to take care of me and that I just, you know, that's, there's a lot of fear when the government makes decisions that we don't like or that we don't agree with because then we think that we ourselves are not going to be okay. My fear is not in the government. So I can look at, um, the government and decisions that are being made. And I'm like, okay, that was stupid. Or, oh yeah, I like that one. But I don't get sucked into, I'm not going to be okay or I am going to be okay because that's not where my faith is. My faith is in God. And so um, whatever situation, I know that he's um, got me. He has promised. There's over 2,000 promises in the Bible. He's never going to leave me or forsake me ever. Now, am I going to struggle? Yes. Things, you know, could I get sick with COVID and be on a respirator? Yes. Ventilator. Um, Could I lose my job? Yes. Can, would my son die? Yes. Like there's things that are going to happen because like you said, we, we live on planet earth, but that's not where my faith is. And so, um, so for, so there's two things to it. So like when I was saying a couple episodes ago that I was suffering from depression, um, so full transparency, I will just be more real. <laughs> I feel like this is like the the uh, the true serum show. <laughs> um, so I'm. I did sleep. I did. Uh, yeah, you slip something in my drink. Yes. Yeah, I'm just spilling all the beans. Instead in of the, the roofie, show. it was the true serum. Yes, yes. This is what happens when we come to the beach. Yeah. Like everything's out it's in the therapy. Open. Therapy. So um, I'm going through perimenopause. My hormones are all over the place. I'm really suffering. I have you know I'm, t- I'm on Prozac, the patch, the birth control pill, like all these things to help so that I don't kill you when we're, <laughs> or my husband. I'm close twice. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm not always happy when he reaches out to me. I'm like, dude, <laughs> okay. Cause I'm just like this. I'm just like up and down constantly. And I've been suffering a lot from depression. Well, lo and behold, took a blood test. You know, as I told my doctor, I'm like, this, I, this is not going to work. I can't live like this. Right. So I'm low in vitamin D, vitamin D causes depression, um, muscle aches, all, you know, all these things. I'm like, oh, okay. All these symptoms that I'm feeling, let me add to my cocktail. Let me add vitamin D. So I started taking vitamin D. I'm feeling so much better. (laughs) And you're getting a lot of vitamin D today. (laughs) And I'm getting a vitamin D. Right. So my circumstances haven't changed. So all that to say is, is that sometimes there are chemical things going on in our bodies that we need to address. Not always. Sometimes it's situational, but especially, you know, I'm 53. So sometimes there are things that we have to address chemically and medically. Right. And I'm not ashamed to say that I'm not embarrassed about it. Like, you know, but that's one part of it. 
But then the other part of it is what do we have our faith in and what are we believing? Because if we don't have our faith in something solid, then it's like, okay, well, that didn't work. Let me go figure out something else. Okay, that didn't work. Let me go figure out something else. My faith in God is not about me. It's about God. It's not about um, who I am or what I'm going to accomplish because of Tara. It's, it's, okay, Lord, you gave me these skills, these talents, these passions, these dreams. Show me how to utilize them so I can serve the people around me. That's my mindset. It's not about me being great. It's about let me point people to you because you're way better than I am. And, and you gave me the gift of writing. You gave me the gift of talking. You gave me the gift of night. I mean, so let me use it right. to benefit other people. Well, see, that's part of the reason why I wanted to delve into this because, you know, we've talked in the past about, you know, I don't want to say shaming, but body shaming or this shame or judging. You know, people like to judge. You know, we go to social media and we have people that judge other people based on how they look. Um, I think I showed you one time there was some people, no, maybe it was something else, but it was, it was something about a picture or video on TikTok and people, you know, were judging this person and the comments were just either really mean mm. Or they were like, you know, of the you know sexual nature, not explicitly, but like, oh, you're sexy, you're hot, you're whatever. Right. So either way, you're you're either um, basically you're you're presenting a picture, or you're telling somebody, giving them a false sense of kind of who they are, if that makes sense. You know, it's like right. you're either sexualizing them, or you're shaming them in how they look because they're on social media. And I'm sure that the gal, because I've seen more videos from her, has a solid foundation in who she believes she is and puts it out there on purpose, okay? And I was thinking, you know, okay, good for her. If she wants to do that, I don't care. I'm not going to judge. But you would have to have a strong foundation in who you are and what you believe in order to, to, to withstand all that negativity, Okay, um, I know that there was. I was reading a story one time because I was curious about. Uh, I think we had a, a conversation about because um, you have many times uh, through an organization or a service that you do gone into strip clubs to minister and talk to the performers. Yes, and maybe bring them goodies. You've gone to conventions and things like that. So it got me thinking. I, I was I was curious as to, and I did some research on how many of them. Like, let's say in the last number of years or whatever, if there was a list that have taken their lives or that have succumbed to something. And there was a lot of recent. And it came to mind because there was one most recently that was, I guess, a famous one. I don't know. And she took her life because she posted something on social media, something that she felt strongly about. And I forget specifically what it was. Uh, August Ames was, was the gal. I don't know if you're familiar with her. Mm-hmm. And uh, she ended up taking her life because the blowback of what she wrote was just horrific. The people mm-hmm. just on top of her, on top of her, and just criticized her and, and you know, told her she was wrong for thinking that. And, and, um, and it got me thinking to the point where it's like, one, first off, we have to have a strong foundation in who we are to survive this world and to survive the things that are going on. Because we're not always going to believe what the rest of the world is going to believe. And if we do, then we're probably going to just be like a jellyfish in the ocean bobbing around to and from, and we have no conviction and we have nothing, and eventually that is going to collapse. Kind of like the, the story of the, the guy who builds his house on the rock, on the rock versus the sand. Right. You have to have that strong foundation. Right. And if you have a strong foundation in what you believe, you're going to be able to, through hard times, withstand those attacks withstand the storm, withstand the negativity, withstand all that because your foundation is on something solid. It's when we have a foundation in something weak and our foundation is defined in something that isn't strong. That's when we start to get into even further problems. Yeah. And, and, and the foundation for me is something bigger than myself. That's, that's the foundation. Like if I was, had a, like a, something equal to me, then that wouldn't be a strong foundation. But my foundation is something bigger than myself, stronger than myself, um, more knowledge than myself, more wisdom than myself. Like, okay, you got this. Like a parent, right? Like, you got this. I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to figure everything out. I don't have to be strong. I can say, okay, Lord, I need your strength. I need your, I don't know what to say. You give me the words, right? I say that a lot. Uh, On the way here today, I was praying. I'm like, okay, Lord, help me with my words today, you give me the words to say, give us the topics, you know, that you want to, we want to talk about, you know, today, your words, not mine. This isn't about me. This is about you. Like I pray that all the time. 
And I think when we take ourselves out of it and we rely on something bigger than ourselves, that's the foundation that never crumbles. See, we're going to keep the conversation going. So this is probably going to end up being a two-parter. So you might have to come back next week for part two because I want to continue on with this.